Greetings in Jesus' name. This is Pastor Sean, and you are listening to The Intersection, not your normal fluffy Christian show. And we are a few days away, few days away from the election. Few days away when we will decide the fate and the path that America will take forward. Sounds a little melodramatic, Pastor Sean. Well, guess what? It's very dramatic. There's probably not been a more consequential election. And I know people feel that way every time, but I've even asked people who are my superior in age and wisdom, and they've all said the same thing. They've never seen such a um, uh, clear-cut, two-directional path uh, for this country. And much of it hinges when you get underneath all the politics and you get underneath all of the all the uh, semantics and you get underneath all of the shallow arguments, much of it hinges upon people of traditional values with faith and people of progressive values who have no place or time for faith. I'm going to say, well, there's people of faith on both sides. and Well, all that appears to be true. The fact is, is that we've never come to a place where, as a Christian, your values... Your values have never been more clear-cutted, cuttedly represented or not presented. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that one party is specifically the Christian party. In fact, neither party, I would say, is probably the Christian party. But as a Christian, one is going to hold values uh, in in a a closer light. And there's no been no no more divide. I think even in in, in the evangelical church um, over this issue, we've seen. Uh, People come out, evangelical, strong, strong, strong support for, for President Trump. Uh, many people misunderstand this uh, because their rational and reasoning is that somehow um, the strong evangelical support for Trump has something to do with his personal spirituality, which I'm not even putting in question. I, I think that uh, I've seen some some transformation, at least it appears to be, seen some, uh, seen some evolution in his... Uh, um, his, uh, his faith himself, he's come out recently and said that he's no longer uh, denominational, that he's non-denominational. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that you, you can see the people he surrounds himself with. But even more so, it's the policies. It's the policies. And we've done a, a, an extensive, extensive amount of discussion on this show about evangelicals and those who support Trump and those who have an utmost loathing for Trump, um, all of them saying that they base it upon their Christian values. Um, It kind of goes like this. I said it before. It's that um, I don't like Donald Trump or the way he speaks. I think he's braggadocious and arrogant, which is a personality trait. And if it's a sin, it's a personality sin. It's a personality flaw. Um, it's something that can be repented of and changed, um, if indeed it is a sin. Um, some of us appreciate the fact that we have a president who is now, not, especially evangelicals, who's not simply soft-spoken, letting us get ran down, having to apologize for our faith, for our values, for our traditions, for our stances on marriage, our stances on abortion. No longer do we have to explain or have our back against the wall. We sort of feel like we can 
boldly proclaim it because we've had someone who's said that we can and is willing to fight for that fact. So you get those who the issue is personality. Then you get those whose issue is policy. Now, we know for a fact that President Trump is not particularly perfect in any manner, way, shape or form or, or, or way, and neither is any of us. But in the last four years, he's proven policy wise, um, whether you like his Twitter account, his tweets, you like the way he speaks or not. Um, policy wise, he's been a avid defender of the unborn, an avid defender of religious liberty, um, and an avid defender of traditional Christian values and uh, our American heritage. Um, great name, Ed. But um, he's been a avid, and he's proven so, just even in his Supreme Court justice um, picks. And if we've gotten anything out of this whole thing, I mean, how many presidents get three? Uh, heard a prophecy or gave one myself not too long ago that he would actually get two more, that there would be another one after this one. Um, and if you know the importance of the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court has been being used over oh, the last 50 years to be another uh, legislative branch, which it's not intended to do. Um, another partisan branch that when you don't get your way in the legislature, you just use the court to force it. When you don't get your way in a, uh, oh, you know, in, in, in the vote in the House or the Senate, if 400 and something members can't give you your way, you just go to nine justices. And if enough of them are leaning left and they're activists, you can get your way. And we've seen that time and time again. We've seen the overreach. We've seen the uh, the activism coming out of the court now for once and that's that's what that's really 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 why uh democrats are losing their mind and then what's the thing with chuck schumer you ever notice he always comes up with these i mean these threats are like you're gonna reap the whirlwind you're gonna there's gonna be there's gonna be h to pay you're gonna see what happens like what are you gonna do what what do you, what do you, you stand up there and you you see then you make all what are you gonna do you couldn't stop it you couldn't stop judge barrett from being uh placed on the court but uh, there is this divide among evangelicals most evangelicals understand policy and uh most evangelicals um understand personality um and unfortunately, the media in a lot of ways has made this an emotional election. It's about President Trump's personality. And I'm afraid that there are a number of people, especially evangelicals, especially the bleeding heart ones, who think that we should always be soft-spoken and never defend ourselves and always apologize when people's feelings are hurted and never have anything controversial happen in church and never talk about controversial issues that could hurt people's feelings because it's more important because Jesus is nice. He's nice. He he pets the sheep, then he's nice. And I don't mean to sound mocking here, but there literally is a, a large group of people who are offended at everything the world's offended and, and constantly apologize. Anytime the church gets accused, they just go ahead and apologize for things we haven't even done. By the way, uh, you know, you hear this about, you know, Christians are judgmental and, and 
and critical and judging. You know what? Listen, when I was in the world, them people were much rougher than my, my Christian friends, much rougher. Now, if you want to call my Christian uh, associates, brothers and sisters, uh, critical or judgmental, because at times they held me to account. At times they they told me I could do much better than I was doing, because at times they wouldn't just oh, affirm me in every one of my behaviors. If you want to call that a critical and judgmental, then I guess they are. But my uh, my worldly friends when I was out in the world, oh, they affirmed everything I did. They, in fact, they'd help enable me into my own destruction, drinking, smoking, carrying on, whatever. They didn't care. Come out of the closet every which way you want. They didn't care. Just be yourself. I'm afraid, brothers and sisters, but that's not love. That's not real friendship. But recently, one of the most respected Christian leaders in America, uh, one that I hold in high esteem, um, suggested that Christians might do best by sitting out the presidential election, since a vote by either Trump or Biden cannot be justified. Now, this is being written by Dr. Michael Brown, who is a fantastic, just an awesome theologian and man of God, just a mighty man of God, and he's, re- he's, he's responding to a recent article by John Piper, another very respected Christian and theologian, uh, one that I hold in high esteem. Uh, but Mr. John Piper came out and suggested that there is no moral choice in this election, that sitting it out might be, and he's not telling anyone else to, but sitting it out might be his his conviction, and while I respect the fact that he has a conviction, I hope he understands what he's sitting out. I hope he understands what it is that he's sitting out. Dr. Brown goes on to say, first, he wholeheartedly agrees with the pastor Piper that the foremost calling of a minister of the gospel is to lead people to see Jesus Christ, trust his forgiveness for sins, treasure him above everything else in this world, and live in a way that shows his all-satisfying value, and help them make it to heaven with love and holiness. Amen. We can agree on that. Second, I deeply share his concern that many American pastors have failed to develop real radical Christians, Christians who will be willing to die for Jesus. Third, I agree with Pastor Piper that our obsession with the elections and the well-being of America undermines the reality that we are citizens of a higher kingdom and that we are only passing through this world. I've said it many times. Very consequential election can be very consequential for our faith and our future, very consequential for issues like abortion or the unborn. But I've always said, whoever sits in the White House, Jesus will still be sitting on the throne. Now, when you use that to dismiss the importance of elections and their reflections of Christian faith, that's a problem. And many times people do that, oh, politics, Jesus is still on the throne. And then what they basically mean to say is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we stand up for what's right or it doesn't matter if we stand up for what's just because Jesus is still going to be on the throne. Um, Fourth, I concur that the character flaws of our president um, in some ways have been damaging Um, As Piper wrote, when a leader models self-absorbed, self-exalting boastfulness, he models the most deadly behavior in the world. He points his nation to destruction, destruction of more kinds than we can imagine. Um, And by the way, I think that's a matter of opinion. I think that Donald Trump's flamboyant personality um, and some of the ways that he addresses and does things might be offensive and seem brash 
self-exalting or boastful to others, but to others, evangelicals, it seems to be the first time that we have someone who's fearless, ferocious, and not afraid to stand up uh, to the 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 ever ever pressurous cancel culture. Uh, many of us have felt like we couldn't speak for years. We felt choked and gassed and and afraid to speak our minds because you're going to get redlined. You're going to get canceled. You're going to be said all kinds of horrible things about you. So in in my perception as a Christian, I'm glad that someone bold for the values I share is finally standing up. Number two is this probably um, this probably dismantles some of the uh, traditional thinking about Jesus that Jesus didn't become angry and didn't insult and then didn't didn't uh, wasn't forceful but you know when you read the scriptures you find that actually wasn't true that Jesus was very forceful he turned over tables he called people snakes and vipers uh, he rebuked them to their face um, he had no issue with speaking to Rome or to his own Jewish religious leaders, there was a fearlessness about Jesus that ended up putting him on the cross because people were offended. Fifth, I have no problem with a Christian saying he or she cannot vote for either candidate. I've always respected that view, even if it's not my own. I have a massive problem with the self-identified uh pro-life, pro-Bible Christian voting for Biden and the Democrats. Six, I respect the humility with which each pastor, in which Pastor Piper presents his viewpoint, making clear he's not telling anyone else how to vote. But he goes on to say that there's some areas in which he disagrees with John Piper. Areas that I would agree to disagree with John Piper. And some of those areas are that it is far, far, far too many important issues to sit on the sidelines because of the the president's possible brashness of personality. Now, John Piper here mostly points out character flaws that he sees in the president, Not, not policy flaws. In fact, he doesn't really mention policy flaws. He just simply talks about the example the president sets that boastfulness or arrogance or cockiness or any other things can be just as poisonous and deadly as a bad policy. But I would hasten to disagree because I would say that abortion is an actual reality. That affects many, many, many people in a real, tangible way. That, that, that there literally are a thousand babies or more a day being aborted. That sexual perversion and the, the, uh, the, the desecration of marriage, that those kind of things have uh, led to um, destructive behaviors and destructive mindsets. Um, that have actual measurable, I don't really know how many people are going to lose their salvation because of President Trump's attitude or because of his personality flaws or because of the things that you don't like. But I know in actuality that a thousand babies will be aborted today. Many of them, in fact, the majority of them, 
from minority communities, from people of color. I also know that other policies, um, when it comes to religious liberty, um, for instance, the Little Sisters of the Poor who were sued because they didn't want to, they didn't want to uh, provide uh, birth control that has abortifacient. Um, in fact, we're willing to let someone or someone else, uh, when someone or someone else can provide them, but that uh, policies have real consequences. Policies have real consequences. You know, many of you have a boss out there and you don't really like them. You don't like your boss. Your boss may be arrogant, rude, and brash. Might be uh, hard to deal with. Might be, um, might just be a complete jerk. Do you quit your job because you say, I can't affirm or work for somebody with this kind of personality? Maybe. I mean, maybe it's, it's unbearable. But on the same note, if it's providing your living, if it's providing a good service to others, if it's supporting uh, the community, if it's supporting your family, most of the time you, 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 you bear with it and you deal with it because it's moving things forward in a positive measure. And I would disagree with John Piper wholeheartedly that the idea that somehow President Trump's arrogance is somehow on par with a thousand babies a day being aborted in the United States, I would have to disagree. With the fact that religious liberty is trying to be curtailed and attacked on every side, that Christians are being marginalized, that we're losing our place in the public sphere, I would disagree with John Piper that Donald Trump's personality is just as dangerous and as toxic as that. I would disagree with John Piper that our education system which is twisting our history, corrupting the minds of young people to hate their own nation and the foundations on which it was born, which, by the way, uh, not only are they, they, they hearing that, but Christianity is being marginalized and attacked on every side. In fact, the only religion being uh, untolerated in the United States of America in our in our. Uh, uh, educational higher learning uh, facilities is Christianity. And I would not say that I think that President Trump's tweets or the way he handles himself or uh, any argument of or brash statements that he's made or any toxicity of arrogance can possibly equal the damage done by communist professors undoing everything uh, trying to erase our Judeo-Christian heritage, which, by the, by the way, is impossible. Our entire law is built upon the Judeo-Christian heritage. I would say that President Trump's personality or toxicity or whatever you would say or his brashness um, in no way, shape, or form holds a candle to the policies of sexual perversion which are going to pervade your educational system, if you go with someone like Joe Biden, trust me, they, they have already said they are going to uphold the rights of, of transgender boys and girls to share bathrooms with your daughter or your son at a very young age in a, in a, in a, a very, very uh, uh, intimate setting, shower rooms, bathrooms. I would say that's less con- I said it's more consequential than whether or not you think that Donald Trump is a bad example of humility. 
I would go even further to say, when it comes to religious liberties, when it comes to our ability to express our faith, which is becoming more and more marginalized in the public square, that clearly you will find more and more and more marginalization of Christians under a democratic administration than you will under Donald Trump's administration. Whether you feel he's a genuine Christian or not, or a good example of Christ, the fact is is that you will find yourself being marginalized. And there's, there's Christians who seem to go with it. Like, they, they think that we should be marginalized for Bible teaching, and we shouldn't be. I mean, some of the people arguing for the fact that Christianity doesn't have a place and should be relegated to only Sunday morning are some of these uh, these backward-headed evangelicals. If you want to if you want to partner with organizations um, that believe in the destruction of the nuclear family, that want to dissolve any semblance of traditional values, in fact, mock and persecute those who hold them. I mean, look what Amy Coney Baird got when she was placed upon the court the first thing they compared it to was The Handmaid's Tale. They're comparing it to The Handmaid's, and they do this all the time. It's a way of marginalizing people of faith. They attacked her faith because she's a Christian. And I think that's far more consequential than Donald Trump's toxicity of his personality or whatever they say, or it's far more consequential than the braggadociousness. You know, the problem is in three days we're going to decide the direction of America. We're going to decide the direction of our liberties and our freedoms. Do you really want it to be because of a personality conflict? And there are a lot of people, if you ask them, why are you voting against Donald Trump? They won't, they won't bring up policy issues. They're going to bring up personality. So, by the way, I'm not here to carry anybody's water tonight. I'm, I'm an independent thinker. I'm not here to. I'm not here to tell you that somehow the kingdom of God's going to come if Donald Trump gets reelected. I'm, I'm not here to tell you any of those things. But I'm here to tell you this: the alternative is definitely darkness for the unborn, for religious liberty. For the future of our children, for our American heritage, for any values that you hold about family or faith, for the future of your children. So all I'm saying, pray. Pray before Tuesday. And ask God to give you clear vision and clear revelation and then exercise your God-given right and vote. Until next time, this is Pastor Sean. May God richly bless you. We're the bad news. We're the young guns. We're the ones that they told you to run from. Yeah, the player's gonna play and the hater's gonna hate.